I, I got to admit, I'm not meant to be doing media stuff, so I, I think I've apologized for my lack of ability to make things work on the computer multiple times, but just saying so you know, that's not where I'm gifted, so I'm, <laughs> I can apologize as much as I want, but it's probably not going to get much better, which is ironic, because I think my, my, my mom is a, um, that's what job is, is fixing computers and stuff for the school system, so I guess she did it all the time for me. I, didn't, I never learned how to do it myself. Um, but we are, like I said earlier, we're doing this series through the Psalms, and it, it's ironic that the Psalms are the biggest book in the Bible, but I think we spend oftentimes the least amount of time studying them. We'll, we'll read one in the morning, or we'll open up a devotional book, and it'll kind of unpack or you'll, you'll read a few verses of a psalm, but we never really sit down and digest the psalms. We never digest the theology of the psalms. And we said last week that in this series, what we're doing is we're studying God through the eyes of the psalms, through the eyes of, of those who wrote these worship passages in our Bible. And there's a lot to be unpacked in these. Um, last week we talked about um, God's omnipotence, that he is all-powerful, and that is shown to us through creation, that creation is a, a form of Scripture, that when we go outside and see the unfiltered sky, the stars in the sky, it speaks to the power of God. It speaks to the necessity of God, just the same way that Scripture speaks to us about God. Um, that's what Psalm 19 tells us. And Psalm 23 speaks to us in the journey that we have on life, that wherever we are, God's omnipresence, God's all-encompassing, all-encompassing presence, that he's always there no matter where we are, no matter who you are, God is always present. And that's what Psalm 23 unpacks. And it's a really interesting psalm, one that's used all the time, but I don't think we really spend enough time breaking it down, which is what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. We're going to spend time just digging through Psalm 23. Father God, this morning as we have gathered together to worship you, I just pray that every malfunction that's taken place, every hindrance that has occurred, every past time that we're thinking of to do later today, I just pray that they all get pushed to the side, that we're able to be still, that we're able to listen to your word, to hear your voice, and that we're able to be moved by what you have to say to us through the timelessness of Scripture. God, open our hearts, open our minds. Speak through me this morning as we listen for what you have to say. God, thank you for the love that you have for us, for the revelation of your word that we can see you and know you more deeply. We love you, Father. We pray these, this through your Son. Amen. If you look at the title on this message, it's called The Transitionary Psalm, and I don't really fully know if that's a word or not. I don't know if I just kind of came up with that. And, um, the point I'm trying to make is that there's transitions in Psalm 23, so I guess you could say it's a transitionary psalm. I think that's a word. I googled it, and a definition came up, so I guess I'm not just making this up. Um, transitionary would be defined as moving from one point to another, from changing things um, as we move forward, and that's what I think Psalm 23 does um, it, it shows that drastically. But the, uh, the other times that I hear that word, anytime I hear the word transition, 
I, I often think of transportation, because I kind of share a route there, that you're going somewhere, you're on a journey, you're, on a, you're traveling. And how many of you, when you are traveling, you also split your long trips into stages? Do any of you do that? Whenever you're on like an eight-hour trip, you set that trip into stages in your mind where once I reach this point, I have two more hours until I reach this point, and then I have three more hours until I reach this point, and, and it kind of shortens the trip a little bit because you've set this transportation, you've set this journey into transitionary points. I, I, that's what I used to do every time I would go home from Johnson or come to Johnson from home, and it was about an eight or nine hour trip, and I was supposed to, the, the quickest way was to take I-81 the entire way. And I don't know how many of you ever drive on 81, it goes north and south. Got to be one of the worst interstates in America. Nothing but trucks, really, really busy. It's really just packed all the way through. And I remember one, one year, I was coming back from Easter. We had had a, a long weekend, and, and our baseball coach gave us leave for a few days without practice. So me and Micah at Jamestown Christian Church and another friend of ours, we went to my house for Easter, and we left after a game on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock at night, and we got home at 2 in the morning. So it was a long trip. And it was a short trip because we turned around and came back a few days later. And we knew that we were going to leave on a Monday. We had to leave early Monday morning because we had practice that day at 4. So we had to make sure we left on time. We were going to miss practice. And, of course, we didn't leave on time. So we get in the car. And, like I said, I split this journey into stages. I had seven different stages from where I would leave my house to get on 81. And then from 81 until I passed JMU. And then you until I go past the last sheets that you'll see. If you've ever been to West Virginia, sheets is the best gas station there is because they have really good food. And so I always stop at that sheets. And then from that spot, I came to the place that I called the tunnel of pine trees because there's pine trees on all sides of the interstate. And then from there, it was the Strawberry Plains and from Strawberry Plains to Johnson. It's crazy how I still remember that because it's been a long time since I've been on that trip. But I set it into stages. And we got moving late that day and we had about 30 minutes that we had to make up or else we were going to be late for practice. And so I got onto the trip and I put my speed racer hat on as quickly as I could and those of you who know me know that I don't have a great experience with driving. I mean, I seem to wreck all the time. It's become like a, a consistent staple of my life. Um, so I shouldn't ever be going faster than the speed limit, let, let alone how fast I was going that day. And I'm not going to tell you how fast I was going, but I was going way over the speed limit. And the, the traffic was horrible because it was an, after, an Easter, after a holiday. And so I was just zooming in and out of traffic. And we were making up time. We were going to be on time for practice at this point. But then in the back of my head, I saw blue lights <laughs> pulling up. But it, it was just, it was crazy because in that trip, I had made it to every stage of the trip where I wanted to be at. I'd made it to each point and under the timing I needed to be at. And then all of a sudden, everything just took a turn. And I got a ticket. And then we ended up missing practice because of that. And, and it's just, it's funny how our, our lives, the journeys that we're on, whether it's on a trip or whether it's the metaphorical journey that we have of life, we separate these things into stages, whether we do it cognitively or whether it's just something that we notice that there's a stage of going into elementary school, the stage of growing up into middle school, the stage of going into high school, the stage of going into adulthood, 
and we, we have all these different stages of life, but we also have highs and lows as we journey through this. You know, it, on the trip that I was just referencing there, the low point was the ticket. The high point was getting to stop at Sheets after I got the ticket. You know, you have these highs and lows in life. And the, the psalm that we're looking at, Psalm 23, speaks really emphatically about this point, about the highs and lows on the journey that we have in life. And I don't think we ought, we, we really like to look at, at the first and two verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And we just love to hear that over and over again. We speak over and over into that. But listen to how the, the psalm continues to go on. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the dark valley. I will fear no danger. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. We love reading the first three verses and skipping verse four, and then going into you prepare a table before me. We almost just like rush over that we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, that we're going through the darkest valley. But when we're reading this, David isn't saying here that we take a hiatus from being in God's presence whenever we go through this valley. In fact, the same verbiage that's being used here is that he leads us beside still waters, and he also leads us into the darkest valley. That is one sentence, basically. He leads us beside still waters, and even when I go into the darkest valley, even when he leads me into the darkest valley. That, that's the same thing. And so I think a lot of times we look at this and we say, when I go through the darkest valley, it's just because God takes a hiatus from being there, but no, he's leading us out of the green pastures into the darkest valley, and we kind of have to come to terms with what this means. We have to understand what is being talked about here. Um, last year, around the summer we did a series called Dark Nights, um, talking about the stages of spiritual formation, of spiritual growth. And there's three stages, and these three stages of growth are unpacked in this psalm, and we're going to just kind of briefly go through them. Um, we talked about these stages. There's consolation, desolation, and renewal. And consolation is basically you go through the stage of spiritual growth where you just feel God is there. It's like every, everything you do, you feel God's hand there, you feel his, his providence, you, you just know that he's watching over you, you just really feel good about every part of life. Desolation is when you go through life and you feel God's absence. You just know in the back of your mind, man, God is not with me. It feels like he's absent from you. It feels like he's just stepped away completely from you. That's called desolation. And then renewal is when you come out of desolation and you feel closer to God than you did in the consolation even though you just came through a moment where God didn't seem like he was even there. And so you have this ebb and flow of life where you feel God emphatically and greatly, then you seem like you don't feel him at all, and then you feel him even more powerfully than you did before. And that's what the journey of our spiritual life is, and that journey is unpacked in Psalm 23. You could easily say that, you can easily see that in the first three verses that's consolation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. 
He lets me lie down in greed pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. That's someone who emphatically feels God right there next to him. That God is guiding them through every step of the way. They feel God's presence there. When I think of the stages of, of, of our growth in the Spirit, of knowing God more deeply, I like to think of this in terms of a parent, parental relationship with their child. That if you think about it, you go through different stages as a parent with how you relate to your child. And this stage here of consolation is you're with your child the same way that God with us when they're just a little infant, okay? And, and on the screen here, there's a, there's a picture of a little bottle. This is gonna, I, I found some clip art this morning to kind of help us visualize this a little bit. Throughout this entire, these stages of relationship between a parent and a child, the love that the parent has for the child never lessens. Now, it's, it's never like you move on to the next stage and you love your child least just because they're in middle school and they've taken a sabbatical human. I mean, it, just, it doesn't, like, you don't stop loving them. You still love them the same, but the relationship has, has shifted. But when you first come into this relationship, you love that child, you, you love them emphatically, but man, you have to be with them every step of the way. They can't care for themselves. They, you, they, they, they can't feed themselves. They can't use the bathroom or clean up after themselves after they use the bathroom. Everything you do, you are solely focused on that child. That child knows that you're there with them. And that's what consolation's like for us in our, in our faith. We know God is with us because we can't go through life unless we feel him there with us. That's consolation. He is, he is there feeding us the bottle of his love. That, that's what consolation is. And when David is writing this psalm here, he, he is saying, I feel God's there. He's leading me beside these green pastures. He's leading me to, to places of, of still water so that I can just know that he's there renewing me every step of the way. In the same way that a parent, when they have a young child that can't take care of themselves, is there every step of the way with their child. And so what we can say in this consolation that, that is being unpacked here in the first three verses of this psalm is that God, in this first stage of our spiritual journey, leads us into spiritual bliss, into spiritual feelings of knowing that he's there simply out of his love for us. He loves us so much that he wants us to feel him there. He wants us to grow in knowing that he's there. He's, he's the bottle in our mouth of his love and, and sure that we're getting it. That's what is being unpacked here in Psalm 23 in these first three verses. The, the problem comes when we get weaned off the bottle. You know, we, we grow in this bottle. We love the consolations. God, give me more of your presence. God, give me more of your spirit. God, give me more of, of, of you just showing me everywhere I need to go. But then eventually, the point where we say, God, I... I want to grow in you more. I feel your love. I love, I love your love. I, now I want to grow in you more. And the, the ironic part in that is that God says, okay, I'm taking the bottle. You want to grow in me. I, I'm growing in you with the bottle, but now you want to grow in me, so I'm taking the bottle away. And now you're going through desolation. And when I think of desolation, I think of the middle school stage of life. 
or that older elementary stage where your kids are learning, your, your kids are learning how to fend for themselves and they're, they're learning through experience. They get bruised up, they, they get hurt, they skin their knees. And that's why and it's a picture of a Band-Aid. It's, what happens in this period of life, it's, it's not that you stop loving your kid anymore. You still love them the same as you did when you were giving them the bottle, probably even more because you've been with them longer. But it gets to the point where they just don't want to listen to you, so they say, okay, experience is going to be the best teacher. You're going to skin your knees. You're going to have your heart broken. You're, you're going to go through times where you have this existential crisis of who you are. And I'm going to be there the entire time, but you're not going to want to come to me because, you know, when you go through that middle school stage, you want to avoid your, your parents. But at the same time, your parents are still there. I remember this stage. This was a stage that I went through a, for a really long time whenever I was in middle school. I, I went through this from the time I was in fifth grade until the time I was in college. I didn't want to talk to my mom. But I knew, looking back, especially now, that my parents were there every step of the way. And I was learning from experience. I was learning from heart, heartbreak. I was learning from bad decisions that I made and the consequences I had to face. But they were there every step of the way for me. Now, in terms of our spirit, this is what David's talking about in verse 4. Even when the, the proper thing that should, this proper wording there shouldn't be even when I go, it should be even when I am led through the valley of the shadow of death, through the darkest valley. Even when I am led through the darkest valley. If we're growing in the spirit, eventually we're going to come to the point where we need to experience life with essentially out without the bottle. I mean, can you imagine a middle schooler feeding off the, off the bottle their, their entire life? We have to relinquish the bottle in our faith, and that's when we go through that darkest valley. And when we go through the first time, we're going to go through it, and we're going to say, God's just left me. God doesn't care about me anymore. Now, I, at one point I felt God's presence, but I'm not there anymore. And, and the reason, I think, why a lot of churches, I don't know the exact statistic, but a lot of churches are getting people to come into the church, and they're enjoying it, and they're burning like a hot fire, and then all of a sudden they leave. And the reason is because we do a really bad job of teaching this stage. We do a really bad job of teaching a stage, hey, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, but eventually it's going to feel like God's not there anymore, that he's just poof gone. But then we got to read the next part of verse 4. It says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I won't fear danger because you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. David's looking back on this. Now, David isn't writing this psalm as he's going through it, he's looking back after he's come through the renewal stage and he's, he's looking back, wait a second, you know, I felt like I was going through the darkest valley. I felt like God was away from me. I felt completely desolate. But at the same time, now that I look back, he was there. He was guiding me out of that. He was disciplining me. He was teaching me. He was using his staff to rear me back in. It might have been painful, but I grew closer to him in that darkest valley than I ever did with the bottle. And Paul, Paul talks about being weaned off the milk and taking in solid food. This is what Psalm 23 is all about. We can't live on the bottle. We have to eventually go out and 
go into the desolation because that's where we grow closer to God than ever before. You know, God leads us to spiritual bliss out of love, but he leads us into the dark valleys out of care. And when I look back at my life at, at, in middle school, I can look back and, and just think, in, in those time periods, man, I just felt alone. I felt like I couldn't turn to my parents. I couldn't, it was just one bad thing after another, you know, because every crisis in middle school is the end of the world. But now that I look back on it, I realize every step of the way, my mom was there. Every step of the way, my parents were praying for me. Every step of the way, they were taking me to my baseball games. They were cheering me on. They were giving me lessons, and it felt like I was alone. But I know now that I wasn't, and going through those things is what pulled me out and made me even stronger as I go into the next stage. And what I like to think of in the times of desolation, if you have ever been down to Gatlinburg or to the Smokies, if you remember, about three years ago, four years ago, there was a really, really bad fire. I guess it was almost five years ago now. It was my senior year of, high school, of, of college. And, I mean, it just completely tore up all of the Smokies on, on one side, of the, on one side of, of the road there. And I remember going through that that following season. It happened in the fall. I remember going through in the spring and looking, and it was just destroyed and completely, utterly destroyed. It was black. There was no foliage underneath. And then I went back a year later, or two years later, for the fall retreat that we had with the students. And it was like a, a completely new forest. It was green. It was, it was, it was lush. The, the flowers, had, were, were, the trees were all colorful. Sometimes, and if you know about deforestation and, and maintaining, you know that there's something called controlled burning, where you have to burn all the underbrush, all the, the forest floor, in order to allow those trees to keep growing strong and come back and continue to grow. But during that fire, man, it looks dark. It looks like everything's going to be destroyed. But then, out of that, there's renewal. There's growth. And that's what desolation is. It's in the moment, feels like the world is crashing down all around you. And the entire Christian world had a moment of desolation last year with COVID. The question is, during all that, did we look at it and say, yeah, God's absent from me, I'm moving on? Or have we looked at it and say, God was there even in the desolation, and now I'm about to go, or I am currently going through, process of renewal. Now in terms of the parental relationship, this, this stage, I, I think this is the, the best stage of being a parent. Now obviously I'm not a parent, so I don't know, maybe that'll change. But I know I've never had a relationship with my parents like I do now, where I'll just call up my parents to talk on the phone. Middle school me would have never done that in a million years. I'm closer to my parents now than I ever have been before. And in the same way, once we go through this stage and we come out of it and we look back in our life and we say, well, you know, God, you were there even in the darkest valley. When we come out of re- into it, into renewal, we'll realize what is said in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. So go ahead and show that last one there. These are the stages of this song, of the bottle, where you realize, you, you, you go through this initial moment with God where, man, everything I do, I feel his presence. And then it's like, it gets sucked away in the desolation. But that desolation is what brings in this growth of a relationship to where now you can look back and you can make this statement, God, even in the darkest valleys, you prepare a table before me in the presence of those darkest valleys. Anoint my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. And you wouldn't be able to make that statement if it wasn't for the desolation. And so, while the desolation is God leading us into the dark valleys out of care, it's renewal where God is leading us into a newness of his spirit out of compassion, out of a grace, out of this desire to know us on a more intimate level. I know my parents more deeply now than I've ever known them before, and it's because I've grown out of these stages. And when we get out of, when, when you're on the bottom of God's love, you're not going to know his attributes. You're not going to be able to, to understand his grace and compassion. And when you go through the desolation, it feels like he's not there, but when you get out of that, that's when you know God more deeply than ever before. And that's why David is able to now say, God, I know you're omnipresent. I know you've been there. I've experienced you at every stage of life. And through that, I am closer with you now than I was ever before. God leads us into renewal out of a compassion and desire to be intimate with us in a way that would not be possible in either of the stages before it. Now, David writes this psalm, but his life lives out the psalm. Um, there's another slide there, Maddie. Um, well, the next one. David had a crazy life, okay? If you look at the beginning of his life, you can say he was anointed king. You know, he's on the up and up, man. This is a little eight-year-old boy that's just been anointed the next king of Israel by Samuel. On the up and up, and then Lo and behold, this little, at 12 or 14, however old he was, he kills the great warrior of the Philistines. And he's on the up and up, but now he's on the run from Saul. Now, now, okay, God's definitely with me this entire time. Wait a second, where's God at? I'm, I'm running for my life. I'm, I'm about to be killed at any moment, God. Where, where are you at? And then he becomes king. God, I feel your presence again. I, I'm in this renewal. I know that you led me out of this. And then he sins with Bathsheba. And God, where are you at? God, my, my child has just died. And then he writes psalms out of that sin. And you see all this, this ebb and flow, these, these ups and downs that are going all throughout David's life, and they speak Psalm 23, where every stage of life is him moving through ages of a relationship with God. And Psalm 23 is just in words of the life of David. And, and out of that, you can he speaks 
the second half of verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Now, that, ver- that second half of verse 6, that, that is the ultimate conclusion of the entire verse. He's, what he's saying is that even in, when I'm on the bottle, even when I'm away from God and he feels desolate, even in the renewal, I'm dwelling in the house of God. My entire life is being in his presence, even when I don't feel that he's in my presence. As long as I live, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know what it is that some of us may be enduring, some of us might be going through. I don't know what stage you would, if you look at this, I don't know what stage you would say, I'm in consolation, I'm in desolation, I'm in the stage of renewal. But verse 6b, Psalm 23, is what you have to constantly remind yourself, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, talking about the church building. He wasn't even talking about the temple because the temple hadn't been built yet. He's saying, I will dwell in the presence of God. I will be there with God. Even in the desolation, even in the renewal, even in the consolation, I am with God all the days of my life. And I want to to end this morning reading a, a really commonly quoted passage that I think is often misconstrued. It's Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And if you were stellar in VBS, you probably already know what the passage is with your memorization skills. This is Jesus after resurrecting. He looks at the disciples and it says, um, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee on the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, a lot of times, not all, a lot of times, anytime you read that from an English translation, you read that and you see Jesus is commanding his disciples to go. So this, we use this passage to say, we all have to go out and be missionaries in other countries because Jesus commands us to do that. In the, in the Greek, that's called an adverbial participle. It's not a command. Definitely not a command. It's Jesus, the proper translation is, while you are going. What Jesus is saying is, while you are living your life, while you are going out, while you're basically doing everything you do in your life, make disciples Baptize people. Live in my spirit because I'm to be with you. He's not saying, go and do this. This isn't a command. He's saying, as you live, remember, I'm always with you. I'm omnipresent, which means you make disciples in my name. You baptize in my name. You teach in my name. You preach in my name. You live in my name because wherever you are, I am. Whether you're in the consolation, whether you're in the desolation, whether you're in the renewal, it doesn't matter. If I'm leading you into the darkest valleys, I'm there. And I want you to live your life knowing that I'm there. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples as he's ascending into heaven. I'm, I'm, it looks like I'm leaving, but anywhere you go, 
I go. Anything you say, if my spirit's in you, it's coming from my spirit. In my opinion, that makes the Great Commission that much more powerful. Jesus isn't looking, have to go to another country to do ministry. He's saying that as you live your life, I'm right there next to you, which means as you live your life, you're a living witness of me. Whether it's in the desolation, consolation, or the renewal. And so I, I encourage you, do two things with this. Look at your life and see what stage you're in. Do you feel abundantly God is just right there every step, step of the way? Are you drinking from a bottle? Because desolation's coming, but you can't feel like he's not there. Or do you feel like he's not there, that he's completely absent, that he's abandoned you? Because he hasn't. And since we're Christians, since we have his spirit within us, we know emphatically that he says, I will be with you always, no matter where you go. And just know that in that desolation, a renewal is coming, where you see him more clearly than ever before, where you feel him in a stronger, more powerful way than you ever had in the other stages of your life before. Psalm 23 is a beautiful journey of our spiritual walk. But sometimes in that journey, there's going to be darkness. And it's in that darkness that we grow with him all the more. You just have to trust that he's there. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to, last week we, I had you just sit and listen and sang along with the song, So Will I. This Sunday, we're going to do a similar thing where I want you to sit in the pews and sing if you know the words, but someone took Psalm 23 and rewrote it into lyrics, and it's just called Surely Goodness, Surely Mercy. And if you know the words, I want you to sing it with me, but I want you to just let the words wash over you. Let Psalm 23 remind you that no matter where you're at, his goodness follows. Let's pray. Father God, remind us of where we are and that no matter where we are, you're still there. That wherever we go, you follow. That you will be with us always. I remind us that in the moments of darkness, that you have led us there not to make us feel like we're absent from you, but so that we can grow out of that and know you even more deeply than ever before. I thank you for the darkness. Thank you for the valleys. But always, Lord, we ask that you pull us out of that so that we can look back and see that you never abandoned us. Remind us that your goodness, that your mercy, that your love will follow us of our days. Thank you, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.